change things. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you don't mind. Uh, I'll be reading from verse number 50, and I'll end at verse number 58. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we all shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. I, I just love that phrase every time I read scripture. But, but thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, as he concludes, he says, therefore, as a result of, because of everything I've just said, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Say steadfast. Unmovable. Say don't be moved. Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You may have your seats. If, if you don't mind, I want to speak to you a little bit on a brief exhortation I have entitled, Don't Break Ranks. Don't Break Ranks. My grandmother had a saying when I was growing up. I didn't grow up in a household with both of my parents under the same roof. And so to a great extent, the, the task of raising me as a young boy fell on my grandmother and my grandfather. But my grandfather worked in the oil fields, and so he would be gone before I even woke up. And he would come back late in the evening, usually at a time when it was appropriate for me to go to bed. Uh, and so I would spend some time with him on the weekends, but most of the time that I had growing up was spent with my grandmother. And that is to say this, that my grandmother had the task of, of not only raising me, but as a woman, she had the task of helping to cultivate the maturity of a young male, a young boy. And so as a woman, she would try to instill in me things that a man was supposed to instill in me, but things that she knew that a man needed to have. 
Uh, and she would often make the statement to me, uh, Patterson, it's not what you go through, it's how you go through it. It's not what's, what you're facing, but rather how you face it. It's not what's ahead of you, but how you approach what's ahead of you. It's not what's troubling you, but how you deal with the trouble. She had this saying, and I know it's all well too familiar with all of us who are here. She would say, listen, I want you to appreciate this, that what doesn't kill you is only going to make you stronger. Mind you, she was talking to a young boy who, I'll be honest with you, church, was abused in every sense of the term. And though she and my granddad provided a, a really good, healthy space for me, there were other spaces and there were other relationships that uh, was entrusted and uh, that they placed trust in that uh, really didn't work out too well for me. And so I, I, was, I was broken from a very young age. But in as much as I was a broken kid from a very young age, I had a voice of someone that was trying to speak life into me from the time that I could comprehend speech. And I'm trying to get this ball rolling because I want us to appreciate that all of us may not have had the best of starts and all of us may not be going through the best of times, but I'm, I'm hoping to be a voice to you that my grandmother was to me and God was to her in helping somebody recognize here that as you are going through some things and as you have been through some things, if it doesn't kill you and it hadn't killed you yet, it's only there to make you stronger. I know it might be rough. I know it might be tough. I know it might be hard. I know it might be confusing, but you still have breath in your body. It's not what you're going through. It's how you go through it. So as I think about this brief exhortation, I, I want us to appreciate some things about what scripture teaches us about God and about how we ought to approach situations and life in general. The first thing I want us to note is oftentimes in scripture, when you and I are reading texts, God is through text revealing himself unto us. One of the primary things of any relationship is learning, uh, learning to connect with the other person. And so communication is important. Getting to know the other person and the person, other person getting to know you is vital. God leads relationship by revealing himself unto potential believers. Uh, that was the case when he encountered Moses and Moses was drawn to him via the burning bush. When Moses was drawn to God via the burning bush, the very first thing that God did was identify to Moses who he was and why he was there. Uh, it's similar for us today, and if we were to think back in our minds before we came into true relationship with Jesus Christ, Christ revealed unto us who he was and why he came. I am the Savior of the world. I am the great I am. I am the Son of God. I am the one, the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit reveals themselves unto us because that's where relationship begins. 
we can't truly have relationship until we truly identify some fundamental traits and characteristics and the very purpose of God. So one of the things I want to start off with very quickly as a means of foundation for us is, is to remember that there is a stark and sharp contrast between the God of heaven and the wicked ruler of this world. Uh, it would do us well to remember that while Jehovah God is the originator of everything that we know and we see, the devil on the other hand is only an imitator. And church, while God has all power, while he's omnipotent, while he's omnipresent, while he's omniscient and his power is far reaching in everything and in every place at the same time, we sometimes miss the fact and we delude ourselves into thinking that Satan has the exact same power because when we look around we see evil everywhere. But I need for us to understand that the devil and his power pales in comparison to the power of Almighty God. I wish I had somebody who could say amen to that because it, it, it helps us to understand and to see that in as much as the world is as dark as it is, in as much as the world is filled with sin, as much as it is, in as much as we see pain and suffering and heartache and everything that is dark and dim and sinful, God's power is greater. Greater is he that is within us, within you, than he that is in the world. I need for us to appreciate that God's power is greater, for he is the originator while Satan, the devil, that old snake. When, when, when I think about the devil, I think about the old snake. I grinch at it because that old snake is only an imitator. He can't give life. God gives life. But here's the reality about Satan, and as you think about the byproduct of Satan, which is sin, God is the one that gives. Isn't that what Job utters when, when Job lost his livestock and everything? Job, 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 Job bows himself down to the dirt and he said, the Lord gives and the Lord what? He takes away. God has the power, the power not only to take away, but he's the one who gives. Satan too has the power to give, but not at the extent that God does. Because not every single thing that is given to us that we deem a blessing is actually a blessing from above. A car is a blessing in the right hands with the person who has the right attitude and mindset. Whereas a car could be a curse to somebody who is worshipping physical things. A house could be a blessing for somebody who has submitted themselves to the hands and the well-being of God. But your house could be a curse if it is you focus on material things. Your wealth could be a blessing in the hands of, of somebody who has given themselves in devotion to God. But your wealth could become a curse in that it can become the God to you and the God of this world. So I need for us to appreciate that though they might seem similar, God of heaven and the God of this world, that is Satan, they are not the same. Let's understand the difference is not only in relation to perceived power. And I'm going to run through this really quick, but I want to make these statements and I want you to hold on to this. The differences is not only seen in perceived power dynamics, but also we need to appreciate that there is a stark difference, a, a sharp contrast between the plan and purpose of God versus the plan and the purpose of the devil. 
in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number 11, I, I kind of went back and forth on, on whether or not I should use this verse. You know, you, you have some Bible scholars, uh, and some of us here are Bible scholars, and I, I'm not going to give the full context of the verse, but I'm just going to throw the verse out there. But I think the verse is universal anyway. You look at it without me even giving context and background. And, and in, in Jeremiah chapter number 21 and verse number 11, here is what Jeremiah utters. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, as he's relating the revelation of God. He says, declares the Lord, plan for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and to give you a hope I, I love that word welfare there because that's not the same word that we typically think of and define as welfare when you and I hear welfare, we, we hear somebody who can't really make ends meet and, and they have to go and sign up or sign some form and get, get a little pittance and a little money here and there, welfare. When, when God uses welfare here, he says, listen, I'm, I've come to give you life and give you it more abundantly. It's not just some handles, but I've come to give you everything. It's not just a $500 just for the moment. No, I've come to give you everything that you need to sustain yourself and to take care of all of your life's needs. He says, so God, when you look at God, it's God's plan and purpose to, to not see us fall to evil, but to give us a future and to give us a hope. The Hebrew writer would put it this way in Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse number 10. For it became him for, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. What are you saying? God is saying to us that my purpose and my plan is to give you life, not to take it. My purpose and my plan is to make you stronger, not weaker. My purpose and my plan is to, to help your faith grow, not kill your faith. My purpose and my plan is to give, you, to give you a hope and not have you die in depression and frustration. The plan and the purpose of God's church is different from the plan and the purpose of the devil. But it's interesting because what the devil uses, so will God. It's interesting because in as much as the devil may, may, may bring us into situations that may very well be tough and may very well be difficult and put us on deathbeds and put us in the hospitals and put some of us in, in the psychiatric wards, in as much as the devil will bring things into our life, God has the capacity and the ability to use said thing to bring out his glory. So that marriage, that is on the rocks and the divorce that you had, this, this thing that is happening with you in your body, this illness and this sickness, these broken relationships and these broken homes and everything about this life that we're going through that is negative. God, because he is God, has the ability to take those negative things and work it out for you and my good. All to his honor and all to his glory. Because fundamentally, God's purpose and plan is different from the purpose and the plan of the devil. Watch this, watch this. In 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8, all familiar text to us. When Peter encourages the brethren, he says, listen, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he, he walketh about seeking whomever he may devour. That's the devil. 
Whereas God's plan is to prosper you, whereas God's plan is to give you a future, whereas God's plan is to give you a hope. Here comes the devil and he is walking around roaming, seeking whom he could kill. In John chapter number 10 and verse number 10, Jesus would make the declaration, therefore, that the thief comes only. Here is the purpose of the serpent. Here is the purpose of the devil. He has but one purpose. Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and come to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. There is a stark contrast and difference between not only the power of the God of heaven and the power of the devil, but also the plan and purpose of God and the devil as well. God's desire, church, therefore, is to bless us, to give us life, to share with us the riches of heaven, but the devil only wants to destroy us, and he will use everything within his power to do so. I, I, I don't know if you understand that last phrase in its totality, but the devil will use every single thing in his power to destroy you, to rip faith from you, to rip hope from you, to rip identity from you. He will use everything in his power to do so. He would use your best friend. He will use your sister. He will use your brother. He will use your uncle. He will use your aunt. He will use your mother. He will use your father. He will use your husband. He will use your wife. He will use your kids. He will use everything within his power to destroy you and to pull you away from in a relationship with God. So the reason why I'm saying that is because I want us to appreciate this. When, when we understand the difference between God and the devil, we need to put our trust and our confidence fully in God because we appreciate and we understand as well that if we put our faith and confidence in things and people, things and people are susceptible to fail us. But God won't fail you. He, he never has. I, I, I wish you could look back in your life and realize when you didn't know you were going to make, make it and you thought you, you weren't going to make it one more day, God brought you to this day today. That was him not leaving you nor forsaking you. I, I wish I had some people to look back in their life uh, as they went through things and they didn't think that they didn't know how they were going to make it a year from now. They didn't think they were going to be here, but God still kept you in the sanity of your minds. It's not the fact that you just have breath in the body. It's the quality of the life that you have. You walk outside, you'll see vagrants. You'll see people walk in the street. We don't have everything, but we certainly have been given everything. I don't know about you, church. I don't have a million dollars in the bank. I really wish that I did. But in as much as I don't have a million dollars, I still have a house, a roof over my head. I still have clothes that I could wear. My underwear, forgive me for this, I'm wearing clean underwear. It might be difficult to pay my bills from month to month, but I could still take up my phone and, and call somebody. I have a cell phone. It's, it's not the newest cell phone, but I have a cell phone. Uh, uh, when, it's, when it's hot, I could turn my, 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 my setting on cool, and I could get A. See, when it's cold, I could turn my heat up, and I get heat. I'm trying to help us to see. I may not have everything, but God has given me 
everything. And so once I put my trust and my confidence in God, it tells me something too, and I'm going somewhere with this, and I know, I know my time is almost gone, but I'm going somewhere with this because I want to start preaching. When I put my faith, and I'm talking to the young people, so I'm just focusing on these, but I'm talking to everybody, so just mind me while I have this conversation here. I, I want you guys to put your faith and your confidence in God so much that even when people who are close to you, even when your mentors, even when people that you look up to fail you, and they don't share good examples, you weren't really looking at them, you were really looking at God. And a lot of times we trip up because we are focusing on people and not focusing on the potentate. That's a big word for simply saying the, the king of kings and the lord of lords. That's, that's a big word for simply saying the deity. That's, the, that's a big word for simply saying God almighty. But church, I want us to appreciate this, that what doesn't kill you is only geared to make you stronger. Watch this, watch this, watch this. God wants us to have strong families. If you believe that, you could say amen. amen. God wants us to have strong churches. Uh, he, he wants us to be in good health and, and strength. God isn't, isn't there thinking, well, I'm just going to, uh, you know, strike them with pain in their body because I just like it. That's not it. God wants to prosper us. He wants us to be in good health and good strength. He desires church. This is... This is not prosperity preaching, but God desires the best for you and me. But what he does, and I need for us to, to understand this from a spiritual standpoint, what he does is he, he wants us to balance the physical prosperity with the spiritual prosperity. In other words, he will bless us physically as much as we are blessed spiritually. He will bless us bountifully in the material things in as much as we are blessed bountifully in the spiritual things. So he says, my desire for you is that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. What are you saying? I want you to be so elevated and mature spiritually that when I throw these physical blessings at you, or even when the world throws physical blessings at you, it's not going to trip you up. So I want you to grow spiritually so that you can manage money. The reason why some of us can't manage money is because we haven't grown spiritually. Right. I, I want you to, to, to grow spiritually so you can manage your marriage. The reason why some of us, our marriages aren't growing is because we're not growing spiritually. I want you to grow spiritually and mature spiritually so you can handle a family. The reason why our families break up. I want you to grow spiritually so the church could grow numerically. Uh, the reason why the church isn't growing, and I, I'm, not, I'm not talking Antioch, I'm talking in general. The reason why it is we find that the church, church numbers, church attendance is dwindling is maybe because believers aren't growing. You guys with me on this? But I promise you, if you give me three more minutes, I'll be done. We should take note that while God desires for us to prosper, that prosperity is directly linked, as I said before, to the level of our spiritual growth. Uh, and too often we mistake gain with godliness. What I want to do is I want to identify to us 
that on one hand we have individuals who preach a poverty doctrine. And on the other extreme, we have individuals who preach a prosperity doctrine. The poverty doctrine says, how could you truly be a believer in God and have X amount of finances? You're supposed to give away everything. I, I don't believe that's the case. The prosperity doctrine says that uh, how could you call yourself a believer if you are not blessed with material things? In other words, you are only deemed a believer when you are blessed a certain way. And if you aren't blessed a certain way, then it must be that you don't have the necessary faith in God. I don't believe in prosperity theology, nor do I believe in poverty theology. I believe that God says, I want the best for you, but in as much as I want to bless you with everything, I need for you to be spiritually mature. We'll be able to handle everything that life throws at us. Hear me and hear me well. I need to close. I said I only need three minutes. I need to close. So I'm going to end right here. Hear me and hear me well. We can handle church. Everything that life throws at us, that's problems, that's trouble, that's trial, that's even money and finances and everything else in between. We can handle everything that life throws our way if we are spiritually mature, rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. So let me be done. Let me be done. So God's plan is to get us to heaven. But I need for us to appreciate heaven is for a prepared people. But faith in and of itself has to go through a process. This is going to sound so weird coming from a preacher. I really believe I'm not where I need to be, but I'm thanking God for his grace because I'm not where I used to be. And here's what I've grown to come to believe, even at my time being at Harding University. I'll, Lord willing, in two weeks I'll graduate, and I'll, 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 I'll have an undergrad for what that's worth. <laughs> but. But learning, learning doesn't stop. It never does. Whether or not I decide to go on to get my master's or my doctorate or my PhD, the truth is my studying would not cease. Before I came to Harding, I was studying. But what Harding did for me, it, was, it, it, it opened my eyes, being in the secular system of study, opened my eyes to recognize that the humility of study says this. I'm never too old, old sorry, to learn. The humility of growth says this. If ever I stop studying, I have stopped growing. And that just translates now into my spiritual life because it tells me from a maturity standpoint, a personal standpoint, I'm, forget preacher stuff, forget everything else. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you right now. Me, I'm, I'm confessing something to you right now that it's now become a part of me that I can't go a day now without reading something. Why is that? Because if I'm not reading, I'm not growing. I, and then I hear the, the old song I used to sing when I was, when I was growing up, uh, you know, uh, Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. I, I know that's fundamental. I know that's, I know that's infantile, but the, understand the principle behind it. If we're not growing, I hate to say it, we're dying. But I need for us to understand and appreciate this. God says, I want for you to be faithful. 
Church, could you stand with me? I'm done. I'm just winding down. I, I need for you to appreciate this. God says, I'm, I'm allowing you to go through what you're going through, but it's not meant to kill you. The devil might mean to kill you, but I'll use it for your good. It's not what you're going through, but it's how you're going through it. And even more than that, it's who you're going through it with. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the dead, I shall fear no evil. The reason why, why David could say that is because, listen, I'm down in the valley and I'm not in the valley by myself. So this thing is treacherous. This place is treacherous. This place is hurting and it's hurtful. But I want us to appreciate it's not what we're going through. It's how we're going through it and who we're going through it with. Hold on to Jesus, church. Look to the person next to you and say, hold on to Jesus. Come on, preach to them. Say, hold on to Jesus. Preach to them. Say, hold on to Jesus. No, preach to yourself. Say, hold on to Jesus. Preach to yourself. Say, hold on to Jesus. He will never leave you nor forsake you.